Grace be and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning is from the Gospel according to St. John, the 12th chapter. You may be seated. My dear friends in Christ, these words are inscribed on so many different pulpits. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. For the pastor today, it's always a good reminder of who it is that we preach about. It's not ourselves, it's not life choices or or any kind of material that we come out of this world with, but instead it is all about Jesus. Now these Gentiles did not know what they were asking. They didn't know everything about this Jesus. They knew that he was a special man. They knew that he was a miracle worker. They may have had an inkling that he was the Jewish Messiah, but they wanted to meet him. They wanted to see him. And so, in good fashion, Philip told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went, and they told Jesus, and I don't know why it took the both of them to go. I wonder if Philip perhaps is a bit scared to let the Gentiles come to Jesus. And so he asked Andrew, is it okay? Do you think our master is all right with the Gentiles? And Andrew basically would tell him, yes, let's go see. And they tell him. And Jesus' response to them is not, yeah, bring him in here. It's they want to meet me. They're going to meet me. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus tells us with these words that the way to meet Him is not necessarily to wish to see Him bodily among us this moment. It is not to go and seek Him out and to grasp on to that Jesus that we love, the one that we see in the Scriptures, talking and being with His apostles. The way to meet Jesus is to see him crucified in that grisly and brutal murder. That's where we see Jesus, because that is where he is glorified. When we think of the word glory, I think of light, I think of wonderfulness, I think of just this this light emanating from God himself, and I think this is the glory of God. But the glory of God looks like crimson blood running down through bare muscle, broken through the skin. It looks like thorns and whips, chains. It looks like sour wine and the mocking cheers of those who hate Jesus. That's the glory of God. It's true. Our Jesus today, risen from that dead grave that he was in, is now seated at the right hand of the Father in his glorified state. But his glorified state did not begin after he ascended. It began upon the cross. And in this work, Jesus is doing the work of the Father. This has been the plan since before all of creation that the Son of God would come and die for the sins of His people. That's all that the Scriptures have been pointing to. 
our Old Testament lesson this morning, told us about the fiery serpents that God sent as punishment for the people grumbling against God. And you think, wow, God is kind of capricious. He's kind of mean. You know, my kids grumble against me and I don't just haul off and beat them. The grumbling that's there is not a grumbling like, I don't like this. It's a, you're not my God. So what does God do? He sends the fiery serpents into the camp. They bite the Israelites and they die. And in some ways we need to realize that this is actually a mercy. That punishment is a mercy. Because remember, the Israelites are not going to get into the promised land until all the people from that generation that rebelled against God are gone. And so taking a few more out, which does not mean that they're going to hell, certainly paves the way for them to enter into that holy land. It's a mercy. But yet they suffer, and yet they die. And so they come to Moses, and they're like, "Uh, we were wrong. Pray for us that God would take the serpents away. So Moses prays just that, and God doesn't take the serpents away. But he makes a way through the serpents. A way when they're bitten, They can look upon a bronze serpent that Moses fashioned with his hands, look upon that serpent, lift it up upon a pole, and live. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Jesus, in John 3, tells us that he is, in fact, going to be lifted up just as the bronze serpent is lifted up in the desert. You see, that bronze serpent was foretelling what would happen to the Son of God. God does not take away the fiery serpents, just as he does not take away all that troubles us in this life. But when we are bitten by the cares of this world and all the trials and tribulations, yes, even our own sinfulness, we go to see Jesus. We look to him upon the cross, and there we are rescued, redeemed, saved for his sake. This has always been the plan. Yes, Adam and Eve messed up this perfect world, but that was always known by God. The plan was always to have us look to Christ upon the cross for our righteousness, for our redemption, for our forgiveness, for our life, for our salvation. You want to see Jesus? Look at him on the cross. That's where he is glorified. For that's where he is lifted up for the sins of the world. It is not to say that Jesus was always joyful about this, though there is great joy in Christ for knowing that he is going to do that salvation that we could not do ourselves. And yet still he says, my soul is troubled. But what am I going to say? Father, save me from this. Save me from this suffering. Save me from the agony. Save me from the cross. No! I have come to this hour for this very thing. Father, glorify your name in me. Glorify your name in my crucifixion. 
Glorify your name in all that I do. And the Father speaks out of heaven the second time he's ever done this in all creation. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. God the Father speaks thrice. Once at his baptism, Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son. The second time here about the glory of the Father's name. And the third time at his transfiguration. This is the son whom I love. Listen to him. When the Father speaks out of the heavens, it is always about his son. The son's death will glorify the Father's name. The Son is beloved by the Father. The Son is beloved by the Father, and we should listen to Him. The Father is always speaking about His Son. And in this very thing, by the Father speaking out of heaven at this moment, it confirms that Jesus is not some crazed lunatic, some weird rabbi wandering around the place of Israel, but in fact, he has been sent by his Father to do just this, and the Father approves of all that Christ has said. The Father, speaking out of heaven, gives his stamp of approval on all things. And to those who have faith, they hear the voice of God. Some would say, well, it was thunder. Because they do not want, wish to believe that the Father would put their, his stamp of approval on his Son, Others would say, well, it's an angel who has spoken to Jesus, missing the point entirely. It is not a messenger from God speaking to the Son of God. It is the Father who is God speaking to the Son who is God. And Jesus corrects this. It's not for my sake that the voice came down. I knew this would glorify my Father. It is for your sake. Not mine. The judgment of the world has come now. The Father is standing ready. For the judgment of the world will be poured out upon my shoulders. The judgment of this world will be put upon me. And I shall bear up under the wrath of God that all who believe in me never will have to. The ruler of this world will be cast out. And when I am lifted up onto that cross on the hill of Golgotha, all the world will be drawn to me as the bronze serpent upon the cross. See, these words, Sir, we wish to see Jesus, are so important. Because even when we ourselves speak them, I often wonder if we really understand everything that we're saying in that. It's kind of like when you ask for a kiss on your knee after you scrape it. Your mother doesn't just kiss you through the blood and the broken skin, but she takes your knee and she cleans it, and she bandages it, and then she kisses it all better. When you ask for that kind of help, you're not necessarily asking for everything, and yet your mother knows what's best for you in that moment. 
And so when we ask even our Father to say, Sir, we wish to see Jesus, we may not know all that we're asking for, but we are asking for a crucified and risen Jesus Christ for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You're asking to be put in front of the cross to see that grisly death. You are asking to be witnesses to His resurrection, even in the life which is to come. There is so much that you are putting into those words and you don't even know it. Because the Spirit indeed knows best. And He will even pray for you using these words for all the things that our Father would give you. For in these words you find the Son of God glorified for you. And you find Him giving glory to the Father who in turn glorifies you through the Son true in this world you are being glorified by God but it does not look like the light emanating out of the skin of the Holy One instead it looks like his suffering your glorification is to suffer to bear up under this world to deal with our physical infirmities our mental infirmities our emotional infirmities infirmities, to deal with grief and pain, to deal with sorrow and sadness, to deal with persecution and martyrdom. After all, the glorification of Christ was bound up into all these things. We cover them every Holy Week. We know what His glory looks like. Why is our glory any different? But it is not the end, my friends. For just as the Father puts his stamp of approval on the Son's sacrifice upon the cross, so too does he put his stamp of approval upon you. As you bear your cross in this world, the Father looks at you and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. (coughs) Holy Cross Day started a long, long time ago in the church. It's done by Monica, one of the first archaeologists, the mother of Constantine, who went over to Israel and found all these holy places that we still have today, the place where Jesus was born, the place where Jesus was crucified, the garden tomb in which he was laid. We know where these places are because of her. And it is told that while she was there, she discovered pieces of the true cross. Now, Luther famously said, if you put all the pieces of the true cross together, you would have enough to crucify the empire of of the Romans here. But still, they would have these pieces of the true cross and cathedrals and churches would get pieces of it, slivers of it. And on Holy Cross Day, they would make a cross and put that little piece of the cross, just like a relic. If you've ever been to St. Josephat down in the city and you've seen the relics that are in their room in the undercroft, it's kind of like that where you have this little monstrance in which you would put the relic and parade it through the city. And that would be their Holy Cross Day. Now we don't do that today because, well, one, good luck finding a piece of the true cross. And two, the true cross is not meant to be paraded through the streets, but it is meant to be grasped by the believer. It is meant to be in this place 
For the cross comes to you through our word and sacrament that comes from the mouth of God himself. The cross comes to you in your baptism. It comes to you in the absolution. And very soon it will come to you once more. The cross delivered to you over the course of 2,000 years through the sacrament of the altar. The Holy Spirit bringing the very body and blood of Jesus on the cross to you in that moment. Where your sins are forgiven and you find life everlasting. That is the true cross day. My friends, we wish to see Jesus. Open your eyes. Even as we sing the Agnus Dei during the communion liturgy, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Look indeed to the supper, where there the Lamb of God upon the cross is found for you. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is indeed in, with, and under the bread and the wine, and He is here for you. If you wish to see Jesus, all you must do is open your eyes and look, and you shall see Him as you have seen Him so far, and as you will see Him always, setting His cross before you, that you may be found faithful unto life everlasting. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.